Let's pray. Our Lord, such moving words. It's easy for us to say with our intellect that we're lost without you. But so often we're, we're actually fine without you. Lord, we ask that you make us desperate for you. I'll oh, be at work tonight, Lord. Draw our hearts to you. Cause us to run after you. Call us, Lord, and we will run after you. Make these things real. Let no one be fleeing from you instead of fleeing to you. God, we do need you. Please be in this place. Please minister now. Please, Holy Spirit, show us Christ again. Maybe for the first time. Would you be merciful, Lord? Amen. In John 7, Christ says, If anyone wills to do his will, that is God, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. It shows us that if we're to know doctrine, if we're to really know truth, we have to be walking in the right way. We can think we know some things, but actually if our lives don't reflect it, we actually don't know anything. Are we there? Are we really understanding these things? I'm praying for the Lord to give us ears, for him to give us true understanding, understanding that will change our lives, that will make us walk differently, that people can look at us and see, actually, they are light. They are different. And they'll see Christ. Right living leads to right doctrine, Christ says. You'll only understand as far as you're willing to understand. And that's important in this context, isn't it? Because these people are about to go into the land. God is promising good, promising good things. What's the problem? They're not willing. The heart's not in it. Moses is retelling of the, the first time the Israelites were about to go in. Let us send men before us, they suggest. Let them search out the land for us and bring back word to us the way by which we should go up and of the cities into which we shall come. And the word comes back. What is the word? Verse 25. It is a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. He's promising us good things. Do you remember the promise to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob? They've seen the land. They've seen it. It's lovely. More than they can expect. And yet the words are, Nevertheless, you would not, or literally, you were not willing to go up. It's a heart issue. And see, the problem wasn't God's word, just as it isn't today. God's word is speaking to us. But are we willing to listen? Are we willing to hear what he's got for us and believe it? God had showed Israel amazing things, bringing them out of Egypt, by a paschal lamb. But for us, we've, we've seen Christ, hopefully. We've seen him uh, crucified and raised to life. And yet, are we willing to go in? Are we willing to believe? Moses here is trying to direct this second generation by reminding them what happened uh, 40 years previously. 
He's telling them to go into this land and, and setting forth these promises uh, and reminding them of these things. And it's uh, the promises for us this evening. God is showing us what God can do. And so we're going to follow Moses' reasoning through. He's asking us to come near to God, to believe those things God is promising us. Not a land, but a relationship. But I just, before we get to that, I want to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Just to uh, prove the point that it is relevant today. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians, first letter, uh, chapter 10. Starting at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things came, became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and to not become idolaters as were some of them, as it is written that people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, or let us commit uh, sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell, or let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Or complain, as some of them were also complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for admonition. So it's for us. These, these things that we're reading, they're not just things in the past, it's the word of God for us today. God is wanting to speak to us. I pray that uh, we'll have ears to hear. So we're going to follow Moses through this passage. He reasons with them, not in a random way. He's using uh, reasonableness. He's using order. And we have to follow the same order if we're going to make sense of, of these verses and actually go from here, unlike the Israelites, but actually go into the land, actually believe God and, and not rebel, not turn away from him, but trust him. So I see three things here. The first is uh, the nature of disobedience. Secondly, God's nature. And thirdly, the nature of salvation. The nature of disobedience, God's nature, and the nature of salvation. The nature of disobedience then. The first thing we can see is, actually, before anything, before they act at all, the problem is with their hearts. It's the same for us, Exactly. Before we do anything, God sees our hearts. Before we uh, actually commit any sin, he sees our hearts. He sees our inclinations. He sees whether we're in love with him or not. And it starts, I've already mentioned it, with a wrong choice. It's a good land which the Lord our God is giving us. Nevertheless, we're not willing to go up. He would not go up. Is at us tonight. God's promising us good things, but are we willing to, to receive from him, believe him? 
believe that uh, he has done everything through Christ that, that we need, that he's willing to forgive us our sins. Are we willing to go to him? Christ uh, uh, made this point himself. We have to make the right choice, he said. There's the, the example of the ten virgins, isn't it? Five were wise, five were foolish. Only five of them made the right choice in actually going to get more oil. It was a reasonable thing to do. It doesn't say there was anything hindering them, but they weren't willing to. Or what about the man who uh, gets invited to a wedding? He, he arrives. Does he uh, receive a wedding garment? No, he doesn't. He just goes on in as he is. He makes the wrong choice. So the first thing is there we can see uh, the Israelites make a wrong choice. Nature of disobedience has shown us that it, it involves rejecting what God offers us freely. There's no catches. The gospel is free. We have to receive it. We have to make the right choice. And we have to act on it. Secondly, the nature of disobedience we see that these Israelites had low thoughts of God. Verse 27. You complained in your tents and said, because the Lord hates us, he has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. They're not seeing God rightly. They think that actually after all that he's done for them, sustaining them in the wilderness, he actually has done it to kill them. See, if we think of God like that, it shows our hearts. If we think that God's out to get us, that he's almost too just, instead of perfectly just, if we think he's unfair, that's a wrong view of God. And again, Jesus' parable to us in the New Testament. Luke verse 9, uh, chapter 19. A nobleman, he goes to a far country, and he leaves his servants in charge of things. Gives to each uh, certain things to look after. The first uh, uh, comes, he is your minna, which I've kept put away in a... Uh, uh, sorry. The first one comes saying, Master, your minna has earned ten minas. The second, your minna has earned five minas. But what about this final one? Master, here is your minna, which I've kept put away... In a handkerchief, for I feared you, because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. Of course, this nobleman is the Lord. Listen to what he says in, ret in return. Out of your own mouth I will judge you, you wicked servant. That's the Lord's words to those people who think of God as differently to how he is. He's perfectly right in asking us for perfect obedience. Is that unfair to you? Is that a problem? The nature of disobedience then. It shows itself in thinking of God differently to how he actually is. Thirdly, fear of man. Fear man, these Israelites, they don't go up. What do they say? Verse 28, end of 28. The people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to heaven. Moreover, we've seen the sons of the Anakim, the giants there. 
They don't believe God that he's able to keep them in the face of this danger. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Now, I'm not talking, it's careful, you've got to be careful. It's not talking about emotion, it's talking about action. Whether our lives reflect the fact that we trust God more, or the fact that actually we, we seek to please man. We seek to trust man. Uh, we, we change the way we are around the different people we are in order to please man instead of, of God. The nature of disobedience here is to not believe in God's power. God is able to do all that he says he's able to do. He's able to work in us those things that please him in the face of all obstacles. But what do we do with that? When it comes down to it, do we just uh, run, run, run along with everyone else into sin? Or, or do we stand our ground and say, no, actually, I believe in the Lord. I trust the Lord. I, I'm a changed man. Do we believe God's power? Fourthly, the nature of disobedience is blaming others for your sin. What, does he, what do they say in verse 28 at the start? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts. It's not my fault. It's the fact that they brought bad news. Well, actually, they didn't. Caleb and Joshua brought great news. And here we, we hear, don't we, um, it is a good land, but yet they're willing to blame others. We see a similar thing, Genesis 3. They've fallen. What does a man say? What does Adam say? The woman whom you gave to me, be with me. She gave me of the tree and I ate. And what does the woman say? The serpent deceived me. It shows that our hearts are wrong if we're always ready to point to someone else and say, actually, I'm better than them. Actually, they've made me fall. It's, it's lack of ownership of our own sin when we do that, isn't it? We're guilty for our own sin. Or perhaps we can, we can think less of our sin, maybe not blaming others, but perhaps we, we think that we deserve something by God, maybe that we feel that God owes us something, that if we just improve a little bit, then God's bound to accept us. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Here we see a bit more maybe. Uh, that we think the actual problem is individual sins in our lives. If we would just sort out this sin or this area of our life, then God would accept us. Our self-righteousness. Or perhaps we're relying on our repentance. This is even more subtle. If actually I'm, I'm feeling sorry enough for my sin, then God will love me more. If I'm more broken for my sin, then he's bound to receive me. He's got to. See, unless we see the disease rightly, we never need a physician, do we? If we actually don't see, the problem isn't individual, isn't individual sins, it's the fact that we're sinful. The problem isn't that uh, uh, as we draw water, the, the water's dirty. No, the problem is with the well. The well's corrupt. Our hearts are going wrong. It's not the things that we do, it's what we are. See, when we see that, then we, then we need a physician. No one else can save us. Christ alone. 
And uh, finally here, nature of disobedience. Uh, verse 32. He sums it up for them. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. That teaches us that we can be damned for a million sins we committed just today. But the only thing that stops us being saved is disbelief, unbelief. We only have to trust God, believe his promises. Well, how does that match up with our experience then? Are any of those things perhaps in us? Do we see that we are disobedient? Or have we turned? Have we actually believed? Are we willing to trust? Secondly, God's nature. Moses now is showing them the severity of what they did wrong. He's showing them this is what you rejected. It's not just the land, it's this person, it's this relationship. This is why it's so important for us to all to hear. Because these words aren't for the Israelites. They're for you and for me. When we come to these words in the Old Testament, I pray that we do this, that we just measure ourselves, we test ourselves like Paul was doing. Are we rejecting God in the same way? And Moses is compelling them. Listen, this is who this God is. This is what you rejected last time. You're about to go into the the second time. I'm giving you these laws. This is how lovely he is. Are you going to just go your own way again? We've got a choice today. Do we go our own way? Do we believe him? This, This God is majestic. He's holy. He's lovely. He's able to save us to the uttermost. We'll consider two things here. This gives us every reason to repent and believe. God's power, he describes in verse 30. The Lord your God who goes before you, he will fight for you according to all he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. These Israelites, they've seen him at work. Leading them, saving them from Pharaoh. Leading them through the the Red Sea as on dry land. He's mighty to save He's powerful. He's omnipotent. He's God. Will you not trust him? Will you not believe his strength? For us today, he says, he's able to deliver us from sin. He's able to save us from the guilt and power of sin. Paul says to the Romans, for when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. We're worse off than than the Israelites in Egypt. We're worse than slaves. We're absolutely bound and and, and shackled. We can't get away from sin. It's Christ alone that can save us. Yet, while, while we were yet without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. Have we started to realize perhaps that we are our slaves to sin? We need saving a good sign when we start to feel it we start to realize we need saving we are actually bound also verse 33 we see that god is not only able to uh, save but he's able to keep verse 33 
who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents, to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. He's leading them. Paul writes to the Philippians, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, again, it's God's power to save. He's willing to lead us. He doesn't just save us one day and then let us go. He's willing to lead us every single day by his power. He shows the Israelites the way to go. He leads us in the right way. He leads us to to walk in his law. Further, he, he leads us to love his law. To love him. That's God's power. Moses is saying, will you not trust him? God is saying to you, will you not trust him? Secondly, God's love. Verse 31. And in the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, as a man carries his son, in all the way that you went until you came to this place. If the last verses we considered were God uh, making right, justifying, putting the sinner, uh, clearing his guilt, now he's adopting him. He's been a father to the Israelites. He's willing to be a father to us. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. This is uh, God welcoming the prodigal son back home throwing his arms around him, carrying him, being tender with him, loving him, not for anything in him, but because of his great love, his eternal love. He's willing to lead him and carry him. He sets a banquet before us. His banner over us is love. I mentioned there, having predestined us. Well, how do we know if God's predestined us then? that it's a reality in our lives, that's how. That's the only way. Is it a reality in our lives today that we know God's love experimentally, keeping us, leading us, embracing us? We're singing such lovely things. Oh, that they were true all the time for us, isn't it? Psalm 84, verse 8 says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. And uh, James Hughes, the Welsh Bible commentator, says, Lord of hosts, to denote omnipotence and his power. God of Jacob, to denote relationship. It's important, isn't it? It's no good if God is just almighty if we're not in relationship with him. Because his power is not for us. He's not willing to work for us. But he is willing. His power and his love is here for us. For us to just come and receive. If these Israelites saw these things in the wilderness, how much more have we in Christ? God's power raising Christ from the dead. And in the first, in the first place, it's love in sending him, giving his own son for us. Do we know these things? Are we willing to trust him? Thirdly then, the nature of salvation. And the sad thing to say here. Uh, Verse 34 and 35 is, there is a way of rejecting it. This is good news, but we can turn our backs on it. 34 and 35, and the Lord heard the sounds of your words and was angry and took an oath saying, surely 
Not one of these men of this evil generation shall see that good land which I swore to give to your fathers. Paul says to us, today is the day of salvation. That's why. We can't assume, uh, we can't presume that we have another hour in this life. Eternity is right there and we can reject. We can simply hear these good things tonight and, and just think, fine, and walk away and be lost. And if we keep doing that, I want to warn you, there is a point that comes, you've so hardened your heart that you're actually not interested in repentance. It's not that God won't receive you if you do repent, it's just you don't want it anymore. And you're walking in the wrong direction and you keep walking and you think you're going in the right way. So we are rejecting it today. This is you. Turn. Be saved. Be saved. But there's a way of receiving it as well. Thank God, isn't there? Caleb and Joshua. Caleb, verse 36. Because he wholly followed the Lord. Joshua pleases him. He goes in. Caleb, he wholly followed. He believes him. And isn't it fascinating as well? Uh, verse 39. Who also inherits the land moreover your little ones and your children not amazing who you say will be victims or literally plunder who today have no knowledge of good and evil they shall go in there it's as if god is saying it's nothing to do with your strength it's nothing to do with your holiness it's not your power it's god these people are thinking that children are going to be lost, they're going to be uh, plundered, taken away, carried away. God is saying to them, it's only that you believe. That's all. It's, it's not that Caleb and, and Joshua are stronger, uh, are cleverer, are somehow better men. It isn't. It's that they simply believed. They're willing to receive, they're willing to believe God is strength and his, and his love. It is not of him who wills, not of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. That's the word for us today. It's not whether we can actually uh, be good enough. No one, no one is good enough. It's not that we have to um, try and improve ourselves, then he'll receive us. It's God who shows mercy. There's a sad end to these Israelites, isn't there? Verse 40, but as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. They go, they don't come back, they die in the wilderness. Isn't that ironic? They go back exactly where they came from, the way of the Red Sea. If we reject these things, we're going back. We're not making progress. If we're not believing, if we're not going forward, if we're holding on instead to self-improvement, we're going back. It's faith alone. It's all, that's all we need to do is believe that God is able to save us to the uttermost. Just as we are. Exactly as we are. He saves sinners from their sins. Hallelujah. It's 
an important verse for us in verse 32. Yet for all that, you did not believe the Lord your God. That word there means amen. These people weren't satisfied. They weren't happy to just believe God, be satisfied, go in, be contented in his power, be contented in his love, and take what he's offering freely. That's what faith is. It's not of our power to run the race. If it's down to us, we'll all be lost. They weren't willing to just say amen. We know today that Christ has become yes and amen to all God's promises. If we just say amen ourselves. He's the amen. He's finished it. Are we satisfied in saying, yes, God, we are contented in you. Do everything. Do our all. Do, do everything for us, Lord. We're weak. We're worms. We're dust. We're nothing. Carry us. We believe you. All it is is looking to Christ. I was talking to a friend just before the service. It's a funny thing. When you stop looking at yourself, you start looking at Christ, it all starts happening anyway. You find yourself walking in the right way. If you take your eyes off Christ, you start looking at self. It's self-righteousness. You're trying to prove yourself to God again. Thank God that we have a saviour, the Alpha and Omega. But all we've got to do is say Amen. Yes, so we are satisfied. It is surely true. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your power to save. We thank you for your love, your willingness to save. We find nothing in ourselves. Nothing but filthy rags. Oh Lord, take us to that good land. Take all of us, Lord. Maybe for the first time, may they taste and know that you're good. For those of us who have tasted, Lord, don't let us go. Please take our eyes off ourselves. Please lead us. Please help us to lean on you. Your ability, your promises is a good land you're taking us to. You're leading us to yourself. Please, as we keep looking to you, may we continue to taste, to enjoy that banquet you set before us. Forgive us how we disbelieve, how we think that we've got the ability to fix ourselves so often. We often we think it's about our power, our strength. Our oh Lord, it's about you. It's about yours. That you're able even to save us. That you'd have all the more glory. We praise your name. Amen.